Okay. Good morning, everyone. While the blue buckets are just finishing off their rounds, if you have a Bible, you uh, might like to be turning to Mark chapter 8 in Mark's Gospel. If you don't have a Bible with you, don't worry, because the scripture references will come up on the screen uh, behind me, so you'll be able to follow them there. But if you do have a Bible, you can turn to uh, Mark chapter 8 in our series in Mark's Gospel. Uh, When I've been preaching, we have arrived at verse 22. So we're just going to read a few verses from uh, verse 22. Mark chapter 8, verse 22. Here we go. It says, They came to Bethsaida, and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. When he had spit on the man's eyes, put his hands on him, Jesus asked, Do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened. His sight was restored and he saw everything clearly. Jesus sent him home saying, don't go into the village. Just those few verses. We'll get into those in just a moment, but I'm going to begin uh, by praying. Father God, I want to thank you again for your word. Lord, thank you for your presence with us. Lord, thank you for the, the, the joy, the benefit, the blessing of just being part of a group of people uh, seeking you, singing of your goodness, just hearing one another pray and bring tongues and interpretation and just remind us, remind ourselves of what is true. Lord God, I, I thank you for all that you've given to us that helps us to see clearly. And I pray, Lord God, as we look to your word today, you would help us to see clearly. Maybe even for some here, you would help them to to see Jesus for the first time. But for all of us, Lord, that's our greatest need. And Lord, we are more reliant on you bringing revelation uh, into our minds, into our lives, into our hearts, uh, than we fully realize. So come and open our eyes, Lord God. Come and work amongst us by your presence, by your Holy Spirit. Uh, this morning. Achieve all that you would do in our hearts, in our lives, in this world around us, uh, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Is this just another day, just another day in the life of Jesus? It's another place. It's another miracle. We love them all. When we've been looking through Mark's gospel, we've seen a variety of, uh, uh, of miracles of Jesus intervening with Uh, The power of the Spirit to bring massive change into someone's life is wonderful. Um, And perhaps at this point we're thinking, well, it's it's great, but what's this all about? We're going to look at this healing in particular uh, today rather than a a bigger chunk. And it's worth worth kind of taking a a double look. Um, So if you're interested in rugby and you didn't manage to see the game, but you just saw the result... South Africa, 32. Japan, 34. You would do a double take because you think that's just mad. If you happen to see Stephen Tracy on the dance floor, you might do a double take. So impressive. They've got some moves. This passage is worth taking a double look. We're going to go through it twice. And we'll see why that's going to be helpful in just a moment. Because firstly, as we go through this, we see that, again, Jesus heals physical blindness. Jesus heals physical blindness. This is the first healing of its type 
in Mark's gospel where Jesus heals a blind man. He's going to go on to heal someone else of blindness. blindness. This is the first time uh, he's uh, done it, as Mark has recorded. Uh, This man has a profound problem. That's what we need to see. He's got a profound problem, especially in the ancient world. Disease was rife. Uh, If you were born with a condition, you were going to live with that condition and you were probably going to die with that condition. No uh, known cures or very few known cures. The man can't cure himself either. He's entirely dependent on others. We've, we've seen that as Jesus rocks up in town uh, in verse 22. It says again, and we've seen this a few times, some people brought a blind man. He wasn't in a position to bring himself to Jesus. Um, but some people in his community find that Jesus is near, so they find the blind man, they bring him, they, they beg Jesus to touch him. And then look again, he, uh, Jesus took the blind man by the hand. He needs to be led. He cannot see anything. He is uh, literally in the dark, uh, stuck in his condition and needing others' help. And as often as the case um, in society at that time, the result of having a profound uh, disease or disability was to be socially excluded, to be a bit of um, an outcast. We've, we've, uh, if you look in uh, John's Gospel, in John chapter 9, we just get a glimpse there of perhaps a prevailing attitude um, perhaps towards blindness and other conditions as well. Because in John chapter 9, verse 1, it says there, as he went along, he saw a a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? That's the kind of working assumption. Um, If you know uh, your Old Testament, you know the book of Job, you know Job's friends had that kind of attitude. If, If you're suffering right now, it's It must be because of your sin. That's the only possible explanation we can think of. And and so that's how the disciples viewed that man in John chapter 9. It's perhaps how people would have viewed this man here. He's done something wrong. Or he's closely associated with other people who've done some things wrong. And that's why he's uh, he's suffering. So it caused a social um, exclusion. And... uh, as well as the, the practical difficulties. We might think, well, obviously times have moved on. Uh, healthcare, thank goodness. Um, we're in the benefit of um, centuries of development in medical expertise. Uh, and hopefully society, we might think, has developed too. Just read a very interesting um, account, though. Someone writing in the Community Eye Health Journal in 2008 by the name of Hessem Ravazzi. Um, he decided to do a bit of an experiment. Uh, and, and he wore... Uh, a complete blindfold, if you like, for a whole day uh, to see what it would be like. Uh, And this is what he writes. On the day of the event, with close guidance from my guide, I went about my normal daily routine, getting dressed, preparing and eating breakfast, walking to university, attending classes and so on. I quickly noticed that some people treated me differently now that my eyes were covered. They were either more or less attentive than usual. And they sometimes addressed me indirectly by talking to my guys. Some seemed disturbed by my condition, others over-eager to help. I found I was less confident, found it more difficult to concentrate in class, and was not able to contribute as much as usual. I was completely dependent on my guide and experienced a severe loss of freedom. As the day progressed, I began to feel stressed and I became anxious to remove my eye coverings. When they finally came off after only 24 hours, the light was actually painful 
I also felt quite emotional and remained unsettled for a few hours. The experience was deeply unsettling, but very valuable to me. Thanks to my guide, I never felt unsafe. I was more disturbed by my diminished confidence, independence, and inability to contribute. I cannot suggest that I now understand what it is like to be blind, but I did learn something by the experience, what this guy is saying. Interesting just to see how in his own experience of blindness, yes, there were those who were eager to help, but it, it, it reduces confidence um, socially, practically, in a whole number of ways. Others just don't know how to handle it. So the guy is not only unable to see, but feeling an increasing distance um, from others that he would normally interact with on a daily basis. Um, kind of interesting to see a massive, profound problem with a, with a social as well as physical dynamic. This man has this profound problem. So how does Jesus respond? He leads him sensitively outside of the village, away from the crowd, away from the noise and the busyness, to just a, a, a place where he can have undivided, quiet attention. He touches the man. He's prepared to put his hand on the man. That's what many people would not have been prepared to do, uh, interacting with someone who was uh, seriously ill at uh, that time. But he's identifying with this guy, and he's not speaking to the people who've brought him to him. Actually, they're left behind in the village. He has taken the man by the hand. He has guided him. And he is interacting with him. He is speaking to him. He's placing his hands on him. He's finding out what the issue is. And he's um, bringing the power of God to bear in his situation. So, what I said at the outset, as we go through this, um, this account, these few verses, the first time round, we are seeing that Jesus has the power to heal physical blindness. In Mark's Gospel, there are two reasons given for uh, Jesus' ministry in general, if you like, that refer to his healing ministry as well. One is he has the authority to do it, he's able, he has the power to do it, and he has the compassion. His compassion moves him to action. And uh, last time we were in Mark's Gospel, we looked at Um, just commented on on Hebrews 13 verse 8 uh, which reminds us that Jesus is the same yesterday today forever Um, so that's true for us now the same Jesus who was performing these miracles the same saviour who has the authority and compassion to intervene in profound problems and bring change and healing is the same saviour who's present with us now by his Holy Spirit. So we don't see him around, but he's, he's with us. We're very used to just seeing um, uh, the material world around us. We're very used to just experiencing that which we can literally touch and taste um, and hear and smell. But there's a greater reality There's a reality of the Holy Spirit being with us and present amongst us. So, we have the same possibility of people then of encountering a God who heals. And yet, obviously, there's a tension. We know that today not everyone is healed when they're prayed for. Um, We may have experiences where we've been involved or on the receiving end where people have been healed. Or maybe you've experienced that yourself often we're holding the truth in tension uh, jesus came and said oh, the, the, the kingdom is near 
Um, he inaugurated, he introduced the kingdom of God. He demonstrated what the kingdom is like, giving the world a foretaste of what awaits in glory, where there'll be absolutely no sickness, absolutely no disease, uh, and no sin for that matter as well. Uh, in, in perfect, glorious heaven, we will know the kingdom in its full extent, um, or we will be getting to know it for eternity and enjoying it, but there is the kingdom of God now. It's not all to come. It's not just, oh, it's, it's not yet, it's not yet. So every, every hope, every expectation just gets pushed um, into eternity. One day, things will be sorted out, but now we've just got to live and cope. Uh, now we've got a saviour who demonstrates the power of God, and that power is sometimes demonstrated in healing. Now we can hold on to one or the other when we need to hold on to both. The kingdom is now and not yet. If we think the kingdom of God is, is now, and that's all that we're holding on to, uh, we think, well, yeah, Jesus heals, everyone should be healed. If they're not healed, the problem is in their faith somehow. So it can become oddly uh, discouraging if we live with a sense of, oh, all we're holding on to is the kingdom's not yet. Uh, nothing's really happening now at all. Well, he- healing is just future. Uh, no one's healed in the here and now. There's not really much point praying. We might do something to comfort the person. Lord, please heal them. But there's, there's little in the way of expectation. Um, the, our Western worldview, or many of us who have a Western worldview, uh, can inhibit our faith. Like I say, we're just used to seeing the world around us, going with what we can physically test and touch and so on. But we are in a spiritual realm. What's interesting, as Jesus interacts with this guy, is that we, say, we see a, a two-stage process to the healing. That in itself is a reason to give this some special attention. It's the only example of that happening uh, in the Gospels that are recorded. Maybe there are other occasions in Jesus' ministry. This is the one that is recorded where Jesus prayed for him or healed him and then asked the question, do you see anything? That's never been necessary before because it's immediately apparent. They're healed. Every healing thus far uh, in, in Mark's gospel has had that sense of immediately, straight away. Stretch out your hand. Goodness me. Be clean. He's clean. Um, Peter's mother-in-law, um, just, he doesn't even say anything on this occasion, uh, or that Mark records anyway, just lifts her out of bed and the fever goes. And she gets on. It, this sense of straight away, straight away. So, is Jesus having a bad day? Is his power and compassion not quite aligned or, or connected? Or is there something else that's going on? It's important for us to see, and Jesus demonstrates, there's no single formula that guarantees results. Jesus wasn't wedded to one way of doing things. He was always seeking to respond to what he saw his father doing. Um, and for us... I think that is a good guide. We want to be led by what we see the Father doing. Um, Interestingly, on occasion, that leads Jesus to using saliva. Um, If that's what you see the Father doing. Um, God can sometimes lead us in unusual ways if we're sensitive to him. It might be a very big step of faith and look a bit bizarre. But actually, what matters is listening and paying attention to him. So what if we are praying for someone who wants to be healed? Tom, could I borrow you? Come and stand. Tom is responding. He has, let's say, a bad shoulder. If you do actually need healing for something, I'm very happy to do that later on. <laughs> it's bad. Okay, so what do we do? First of all, I'm just going to ask, to, I'm going to speak to Tom. Um, 
Tom, you're going to have to think on the spot here. <laughs> uh, what would you like to pray for? Uh, shoulder, please. Okay. <laughs> Excellent. I just had a sense somehow. <laughs> um, so, uh, what happened? <laughs> it fell down a bit. Right, just now. So this wasn't supposed to be quite as funny and awkward as this. Sorry. <laughs> um, but first of all, it's important to just have the conversation, find out what's going on, and then maybe just briefly explain well, what we're going to do. We're going to wait on God. I'm going to pray. I'm going to lay my hand on the affected area, if that's all right, particularly if it's guy to guy or girl to girl. That's fine. But shoulders, you can't go too wrong with shoulders. Um, and at this point, what's most important is that both of us, all of us, relax. Tom, do you have the power to heal anybody? Uh, no. No. Do I have the power to heal anybody? Yeah. No. Does anybody have the power in themselves to perform any kind of miraculous healing? Yeah. No. It is only God. So we're waiting and we're looking and we're taking a step when we be proactive to see what does God want to do. So let's relax. We're not having to try to uh, manufacture something. Uh, we can just keep our voice ordinary and calm. And uh, I'm going to lay my hand on Tom. We see that uh, Jesus do that time and time again, and the New Testament speak of it. But I'm laying it gently. I'm not laying my whole weight on him, praying a really, really lengthy prayer. Um, I've got my hand on him. I'm not so wanting to focus on his shoulder that I end up kind of just jabbing him or just pushing him. Or neither am I being too tentative because I feel a bit British, and so I want to pray for him. But just... It's okay just to get a hand on you, especially if you know. But if you don't know them that well, you want to ask and just say, "Look, is it okay?" Uh, after that, it's, let's, let's just go for it. Thank you. I think I'll, uh, I'll I'll take it on from here. Thanks, mate. So we're going to pray. We're going to ask God to send His Spirit. We're going to ask Him to show us what He's doing. Uh, we're going to pray for healing. We're going to pray for blessing. Not babbling on. It doesn't have to be a lengthy wedding speech of compliments about how valuable the person is that we're praying for. It's okay to pause. Some of us, apparently, are very good at um, filling all of the silence if they feel a bit nervous. If there's any nervousness, he's like, I'm just going to keep talking, therefore, it's okay just to stop. It's okay to wait. We want to be able to listen to what God is saying. Is there scripture that he's bringing to mind? Is there anything else here that's going on? A person may have responded for physical healing, and it's, we want to pray for that, and maybe God's about to do something in that regard, but well, what other issues are going on as well? It might be God's just highlighting an issue of unforgiveness, or something else, an area where they need to receive um, encouragement to do with the injury or the condition or something else. Where else does it hurt? And it might hurt in some regard inside somewhere rather than in just a physical way. And we're watching. We're keeping our eyes open. We're seeing how does this person react? How do they respond to what God is doing? And then we ask, like Jesus, is anything going on? Do you sense any improvement? Uh, Test it out. Do you see anything? The guy lifts up his head and and looks. Do you see anything? If there's some encouragement, if there's some... uh, improvement will press on focus our requests uh, there might be a rise of faith where we do come to the point of saying be healed in Jesus name be clean be free um, if not then we're still going to bring encouragement bring truth uh, I read recently uh, a great quote it says our goal is to leave the person feeling more loved by God and encouraged in their faith than before they were prayed for so Let's encourage and love one another. Uh, and let's just be aware that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He has power to do all that which we cannot. 
therefore, let's ask. Not, well, Jesus can just do whatever he wants to, so we'll just leave it up to him. I guess he's sovereign and in control. Jesus wants to involve us. So, is it a reason to pray? Not a reason not to pray. But what else is going on? We need to take this double take. We need to look at this again and see that this is, Mark is speaking to us about this particular incident that happened. Not only is it a profound physical healing, but it speaks of something else that's going on at the same time. We saw how that particular man has a profound problem of physical blindness, but we've been seeing too that the disciples have a profound problem to do with spiritual blindness. So we've seen Jesus healing physical blindness. We're going to see through the rest of Mark's gospel, uh, uh, kind of foreshadowed here, that Jesus heals spiritual blindness too. Well, what do I mean by that? Go back a little while when um, Jesus is in the boat with his disciples. At Mark chapter 4, verse 41. They've just seen Jesus calm the storm. And it says there, they were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and waves obey him. They decided to follow Jesus, but they don't know who he is. He kind of defies every other category that they might have. We might expect them, well, the more they spend time with Jesus, the more they uh, listen to him teach, they, you know, the more they'll understand, they'll kind of pick it up, they'll, uh, they'll get on board, they'll, they'll understand. But Jesus, as he gets to this point in chapter 8, he's already commented in response to the Pharisees um, in, verse, in chapter 8, verse 12, he sighed deeply and said, why does this generation ask for a miraculous sign? He, he's seeing that the whole generation around him, not just the Pharisees, they've become used to the odd miracle here or there, but they're actually just stuck in unbelief, not seeing who Jesus actually is, and they are spiritually blind unable to move on. Jesus is even speaking to his own disciples and when they kind of are missing the point entirely, he says to them in verse 18 of chapter 8, do you have eyes but fail to see? What's going on? You're, you're not yet seeing clearly, are you? And the question is left hanging in verse 21, just before he looks at this passage, do you still not understand And the honest answer is, no, they don't yet understand. They don't understand who Jesus is. They have a profound problem. We, all of us, at one stage in our life, have or had the same profound problem. Uh, Scripture describes in a number of ways, um, well, we could just look briefly at um, 1 John chapter 2. And verse 11. Um, But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. He does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded him. We can be, uh, we are blinded by the darkness, if you like, that we choose to live in. We, I've I hate my brother and therefore I'm, I'm living in darkness. I can't see properly. Uh, the problem, however, is much more profound than that in the sense it's not just something that we can choose to be uh, healed of, um, of our own 
uh, kind of devices, if you look um, in 2 Corinthians and chapter 4, this describes the condition that we are all born in and we all live in, um, whatever our particular background or circumstance, it says in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 4, verse 4, that the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. We, we all began life, and we may still be in that category. Um, unbelieving, and the God of this age, or we might, we, the Bible also refers to him as Satan or the devil, has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel uh, of the glory of of God. The light is there, but we're in the shadows. We're, we were in uh, the darkness. Religion offers no cure, no scheme of self-improvement, of obeying the rules. In a number of places, or in, in Matthew chapter 23, a number of times Jesus speaks to the Pharisees and says, you blind guides. You're the really religious men, but you're blind guides and you're leading people astray. Because you're leading people... Um, well, astray, even though they might appear uh, to be uh, spiritual. Uh, intelligence offers no cure. We don't come into the kingdom of God by being really clever. Uh, I can remember inviting some school friends to an evangelistic message uh, in church where I grew up. And um, they were quite clever. They still are quite clever, I assume. They came to the message and I'm there sat and I'm thinking, this is so clear. The gospel has been presented in a clear, passionate, definite way. Are they about to respond? No, they just don't see it. Um, so they didn't respond that day. I think, well, what's, what's going on? Well, n- intelligence doesn't cure anyone. Uh, we can't cure ourselves or just drift into seeing. We need someone's help. Just as that man needed another person to, to help him, we need someone else's help. The problem is, everyone is in the same condition, um, but there is Jesus. Uh, and so we see Jesus in this passage as we've kind of pressed the rewind button and gone through the passage again. Jesus has power to heal, not only physical blindness, but spiritual blindness as well. The gospel is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. We see this strange two-stage process. Jesus puts his hands on the man. Do you see anything? Well, I see a bit. But it's like people are trees walking around. Well, they're not clearly seeing yet. So how does Jesus respond at that point? He puts his hands on the man again. This is what's going to happen for the disciples. Do you understand? No. But revelation is coming. Their eyes are going to be opened to the truth. Initially, we'll see. Do you see everything clearly? No, it's not quite clear yet. I, I, I see people, but they're like trees walking around. It's as though the disciples are about to say that of Jesus. We see who you are now. We're not quite seeing clearly, though, what your, your plans and purposes are or, or, or the path on which you need to, to walk. Um, so what does Jesus do? Does he shrink back? No, he comes again and he perseveres. We're going to see how Jesus is absolutely committed to his disciples And even from this point onwards, his focus becomes uh, less so uh, the crowds and the masses and more so spending time with these 12 guys, re-educating them. 
to really see. It says of this man in the passage we're looking at, there comes a point after Jesus touches his, um, puts his hands on the man's eyes again, that his eyes were open, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. That's uh, what Jesus is doing. How do we respond uh, to this? Well, let's respond in faith, in believing Jesus. Perhaps for these disciples, seeing Jesus heal a blind man was a significant moment if they remembered what it said in Psalm 146 and verse 8 where it says, the Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. Well, that's interesting, because I've just seen Jesus give sight to the blind. I've just seen Jesus lift up those who are bowed down. Do you see anything? And the man looked up. He was bowed down. One could imagine that life being unable to see just results in kind of just living in a small world and keeping your head down. So he has to be invited. No, lift your head up. That's what Jesus has done. Ah, well, Psalm speaks of that. That's what the Lord does. Only the Lord can do that. Only the, only the God of heaven and earth can do that. Wait a minute, I think. It's come, I know who you are. I understand, my eyes have been opened. Um, let's respond in faith. Maybe something that you hear a witness today is what God's going to use to open your eyes. And coming to faith ourselves. Again, just as seeing that Jesus uh, has power to heal meant that we uh, can pray for the sick ourselves in his name. We can't manufacture anything, but we can be involved and we can uh, see miracles happen in the will of God in his timing. Um, well, the same is true when it comes to sharing our faith. Can't manufacture anything. There's no guaranteed formula that will always get results. But actually, I believe that God's at work by his spirit. So I'm going to share my faith. I'm going to share something of my own story of coming to him. I'm going to believe that actually God might choose to use that simple conversation to bring revelation. Not just drifting into faith, but suddenly someone having their eyes open. I've never seen it before. Let's also have... Humility, we can only boast in God for our own salvation or anybody else's. When I got saved and then baptized in the Spirit, I was about 15, I became very uh, critical of the church that I'd grown up in uh, because my thought process went something along the lines of this this gospel is amazing. Why has nobody told it to me before? Why have I never had it explained to me properly? Oh, this church that I'm a part of was kind of my response. I thought, well, clearly they haven't done their job. And after a little while, God does his work and he just puts his finger and says, actually, Dan, the issue was you just didn't hear it. You didn't see it. You were blind to it. It was there most weeks, if not all weeks. Now, maybe there were some lessons to learn about making the gospel explicit in the life of the church rather than just learning good moral stories but actually I heard the gospel every week but I didn't have my eyes opened and I needed someone else to open them for me it brings a humility it brings a desire to, uh, to seek God humbly the, the greatest mistake we can make is thinking that we see everything clearly already well I'm, I'm a Christian I don't have everything nailed. 
but I understand pretty most things. Let me show you my gloomy glasses. If the sun is shining and it's really bright, you need sunglasses. But if it's a bit gloomy, uh, then you need gloomy glasses. And if, you might not be able to see, but the, the, the lenses on these glasses are yellow. Um, and so if it's gloomy, you put them on and it just brightens everything up. Uh, brightens the whole room up. And uh, so everything's got a nice kind of yellow glow. So I can see some things better now. There might be some things that are less clear to me, but I, everything is going through a, a yellow filter. Um, and if I wore them for long enough, it's possible that I might forget that I was wearing them um, or forget the effect that they were having. Am I seeing everything clearly, reasonably, but I still have these glasses on which is giving me a slightly distorted image of reality. You take them off, you realise, oh, there you all are again. Um, Sometimes we need to have our eyes opened or we need to see clearly in that sense where, do you see anything? Yes. I see something, I, I can see, praise God, I'm saved, I'm living for him. Do I see everything clearly? Well, sometimes no, because sometimes I might be wearing my gloomy glasses, I might be seeing things through my own kind of darkness, really, the, the darkness that I've chosen to live in for now, uh, an attitude towards my brother, perhaps. And that kind of actually just clouds up everything. Um, there can be other lenses that we're looking through they're not literally here it's more the case that they're kind of just round our hearts and whatever we see, whatever we hear is passing through that filter it's, it's kind of just one colour and so perhaps that can be the case for some where we're looking at scripture and there are certain bits that all the positive, wonderful promises of God pass through a filter which says that's not for me it all goes through something that just kind of changes the colour of it. Okay, maybe it doesn't make it yellow and nice and bright. Uh, maybe makes it just dull and dreary. In one of the interpretations to a tongue earlier on, um, some prayed out about seeing the, the full colour of, of God. Um, we need to have our eyes opened. And, and I'm pretty sure that the Apostle Paul was convinced of that. So he writes to the Ephesians... He is very encouraged by what God has done. That There's a a community of people in that city who have had their eyes opened um, to who Jesus is and the wonder of the gospel. What What is his prayer for them? However, he says in Ephesians 1 verse 15, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I've not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. He's not got his gloomy glasses in on. He's, he's seeing what God's done, but he's also saying, verse 17, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Why does he want the eyes of their hearts to be enlightened? He wants them to see some things clearly. What does he want them to see? In order that you may know the hope to which you Uh, He has called you. Are you wearing your gloomy glasses or are you seeing that God has called you to hope? Have you been enlightened? He also wants them to see the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for us 
who believed. That power was at work in Christ when Christ was raised from the dead and then lifted and raised to be seated at God's right hand in heavenly places. And that power is for us. That power is at work in the church. God is at work today by his power. So are you seeing life through gloomy glasses and thinking, well, nothing's ever going to change? You do understand that. Obviously, we, it's the right thing to do is to pray. Uh, it kind of honors God in some ways and it, we can comfort other people by praying. But shh, we're not actually expecting anything to happen. Just remember that. We're not expecting anything to change. We're not expecting God to intervene. Maybe one day, because everything is not yet. Well, no, the kingdom of God is now and not yet. So there are things that we need our eyes opening to. We can all have our own blind spots. We need the Lord. We need his word. We sometimes need other people to help point those out. When we're seeing things one way, maybe you just got the wrong end of the stick. Maybe they don't think that about you at all. We need our blind spots challenging. We need our eyes opening. And uh, we need to see Jesus. That he is our hope. He's the one we need to fix our eyes on. He's the one that we come to and say, God, I want to see things clearly. And I want to be used by you for your kingdom on this planet until your kingdom comes in its fullness. Amen? Amen. Why don't we stand and uh, we might pray in a little while, but I think we'll just crack on with some worship. Let's worship God together.